This program deals with themes of an adult nature and is intended for a mature audience. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. Our differences worldwide would vanish if we were facing an alien threat from outside this world. We must guard against the military-industrial complex. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! The questions you always had. The answers you were never given. The place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. Headline edition, July 8, 1947. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc has been found and is now in the possession of the Army. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! The power they took from the people will return to the people. The Matrix is everywhere. It is all around us. It is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. Shall I tell you what I find beautiful about you? You are in charge of the best when things are worse. Sooner or later, though, you always have to wake up. Be skeptical, but don't close your mind. Greetings to everyone around the world, and a warm welcome to another edition of Veritas at VeritasRadio.com. I'm your host, Mel Fabregas, and I sincerely thank you for joining me once again. And if this is your first time, please make yourself at home. To listen to part two of tonight's interview and all of our material going back to 2008, don't miss out and subscribe. It's very simple. All you have to do is click on the subscribe button of our website at veritasradio.com and you'll receive your login immediately. And have you listened to Sanitas Radio yet? Take a look at all the shows we've done so far and all the upcoming guests. You have no idea what these shows can do for you and your loved ones. You will never hear what they have to say in the mainstream media. I guarantee it. Remember, your greatest wealth is your health. Check it out at sanitasradio.com. And for MMS or our futuristic metal-cased USB drives with all our seasons and bonus material, go to the Veritas store. To get in touch with us, for member support, media inquiries, suggestions, you want to be a guest or are a whistleblower? Click on the contact button of our website at veritasradio.com. And tonight's special guest is Dr. Courtney Brown, mathematician and social scientist who teaches in the Department of Political Science at Emory University in Atlanta, Georgia. He's also the director and founder of the Farsight Institute, a nonprofit research and educational organization dedicated to the study of a phenomenon of non-local consciousness known as remote viewing. And directly from Atlanta, Georgia, I would like to welcome Dr. Courtney Brown. Hello, Courtney, and welcome back to Veritas. 
Thank you so much. I want to thank you so much for inviting me back, Mel. Well, thank you for joining us tonight, Courtney. Right before we begin, I want to make a couple of clarifications to clear the air. Sure. Great. I also want to do this for the benefit of those who may not be aware of your most recent project. I will also lean into discomfort and will be very candid with you. Recently, you made some announcements regarding a big disclosure you were on the verge of making. Many of our listeners were on pins and needles, waiting to hear what you had to say. As it turned out, it was primarily about the sale of a video or a DVD that you have already released. Now, bear in mind, I strongly believe in free enterprise, and I believe that everyone has the right to make the business decisions that they see fit, that they feel are appropriate for them. Yet, at the same time, many people found the marketing campaign to be quite a bit misleading and far away from what we were led to believe. Let me emphasize that I don't think the disappointment stems from the fact there was a price tag attached to the final product or final announcement. I also believe that people have the right to explain themselves, and I would like to give you that platform tonight, because here at Veritas, our main motto is, be skeptical, but don't close your mind. So we are skeptical, but we should not close our minds. I have to tell you, I watched the entire video and thoroughly enjoyed seeing the remote viewers in action. I thought it was very informative, and and I want to give you the opportunity to respond, and also to share your findings with us. But first, Courtney, how do you respond to the controversy about the way in which you handled the announcement? Sure. That's great. Um, Mel, to start off with, let me say that I'm not upset with how it was handled, meaning people can feel that they wished it was handled differently or that I should have handled it differently. But if I had to do the whole thing over again, I would not do a single thing different. So the... Basic thing is we had finished a a major new project. I think it's the most important project that we've ever done, clearly. And I, once you hear me talk about it, you'll see that it's, I think it's one of the most important things, uh, almost ever for, for it changes the way it potentially can change the way humanity thinks of itself far into the future. And it's, 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 it's worth every bit as much of every claim that I said about it. But what happened was there was a, um, in, in building up to the announcement, there was a huge Facebook um, anticipation with, you know, a number of thousands of people flocking to my Facebook page with regard to the upcoming announcement. And there was, it was a very complicated setting. But from the surface, if you just look at it from the surface, it looked like the anticipation was growing much larger than my initial than my statements and it was becoming uh, stranger and stranger as we went along and finally when the announcement actually did happen it was quite clear to me that it was not going to be it was there was going to be a storm we to give you some background this project when we when I decided that it was, well, when we finished it and when it was going to come up, we knew there was going to be a storm anyway. There was no way it was not going to be a storm. The, we've had past experience with these things. This project is the very first project. It's actually the second. The Atlantis did some of this and it was very, the Atlantis project we did before this with some of it. And, um, but this one really clearly lays it on the table where 
we finally got to the point where remote viewers, two, the very best on the planet, Dick Algeyer and Daz Smith, had independently trained to be able to do their sessions under totally blind conditions with, with a standing up situation while uh, being recorded live on video. So the difference is that anyone watching these theatrically interesting video presentations of them doing their sessions would not have to know anything about the esoteric aspects of the remote viewing methodologies. You could just clearly see them unambiguously describing the targets uh, in really clear detail in a manner that would be no better, or no worse rather, than if they were there physically with their own eyes witnessing. It was that good. And so this level of capability is something that the intelligence community, for example, has not wanted to let out. Now, I'm not blaming the intelligence community. I work a lot with these guys. I, I love these guys. They're okay. They're great. But they have their orders. And their orders are that this is not to be something that they want out of the New Age community. It's got to be contained. I mean, I know that for an absolute fact. They want this contained. And so we have had this problem before. When something big happens that could threaten it, spilling out outside of the New Age community into the mainstream, they tap us down. Now, the, the, the way that they tap us down, the way it happens, is they create a storm. So when we knew when this was going to happen, there was going to be a storm no matter what I did. As long, unless we did it in such a quiet way that hardly anybody noticed, if we brought it to people's attention, there was going to be a storm. So there was no way to avoid the storm. It was going to happen no matter what. We've had past experience. We've dealt with the intelligence people. We know them. We know what they do. And again, it's not a complaint. It's just we knew what was happening. And we've had some indications prior to this that they were starting to seriously tap down on quality products that had these things under video. For example, Dick Allgaier has been... He produced a video recently called Atomia and the God Particle, which is to die for. It's really great. And it, it is a really good documentary of, uh, the remote viewing of the Haldron Super Collider and the search for the God Particle done by a, a relatively new remote viewer, but a stellar Hitomi Yakamatsu. And the amount of pressure that he's been put under over the last three months from military sources was just incredible. So we knew that they were in the process of tapping it down. So the pressure, of course, was to try to get the, with the video withdrawn. So we knew that this, this type of storm was going to happen. So I made the decision. So if you didn't like the campaign, you can blame it totally on me. Uh, I made the decision that saying, well, if there's going to be a storm anyway, we might as well get all the thoughts out that we want people to think about relative to the thing before the storm, because we're not going to be able to talk to them afterwards. So I came up with the idea of posting these things called implications postings, which are the ideas that we wanted people to think about once they actually saw the video. In addition, when we actually posted the project, we put all of the paper and pencil sessions up for free, as we always do at the Farsight Institute, which is a nonprofit, so people can see the data. We also put the crux, the core of the remote viewing of some of the verifiable components, such as Dick Elgar remote viewing the pyramid, the Great Pyramid of Giza, which is the project, it is how it was actually constructed, 
Uh, we have him remote viewing the, the pyramid itself, and it's absolutely unambiguous. He's drawing the pyramid and so on. We put that in a free 40-minute presentation that announced the project. And then we also put in that 40-minute presentation, Dick, I mean, Daz Smith, unambiguously drawing the big stone blocks being manipulated into place. These are 80-ton stone granite blocks being manipulated into place to build the pyramid. So this big project, the Great Pyramid of Giza, was the biggest thing we've ever done. We had those two segments, which, which was totaling, you know, uh, the beginning of the entire video, including those two segments, uh, you had over 20 minutes, actually you had close to 25 minutes of the DVD, or the video on demand, various, however you get it, uh, on the 40-minute announcement video. So if you wanted, you could just watch the 40-minute announcement video and understand the entire core of the basics. And then if you wanted more, you could actually get the entire one hour and 45 minute documentary, which shows you all of the stuff. So we were giving 99% of everything away for free. And then we had this, the remaining thing that was a, a video on demand or as a DVD. And as we were getting through this, this buildup with the implications postings, I started to notice that there was enormous numbers of Facebook people who had what we call, well, uh, minimal content Facebook profiles. And what that means is if you look at them, the Facebook profiles either have no picture at all or a minimal picture, and they were just started recently. And normally Facebook people have like lots of information about themselves, and these people, these things had very little. And those people, an enormous number of those people were posting on the Facebook page saying that, you know, especially talking about money, money should not be involved in this thing. And then also posting enormous numbers of claims of this is going to be the announcement of Nibiru. This is going to be an economic reset. This is going to be this claim or that claim or whatever. The world is going to end type of stuff. Now, in every email blast that we sent out to our email list. And in all of the postings, I always repeated myself every single time and said, this is not about any outside presidential revelations, no ET landings, this is no cataclysms, no earth changes, nothing like that, no second comings. It's just, and I said the words, it's just an announcement with information. But information is powerful and can change worlds. And that's exactly what we put out. So, but as soon as I would say that, it would be as if nothing had been said, and these same minimal Facebook posters would keep saying, it's an economic reset, I know it, it's the second coming, Jesus is coming, or Nibiru is going to be crashing into the planet. You know, these crazy claims, one said to the other. Now, this is not to say that all of the people that were saying these things were these minimal Facebook profiles, but they, you know, an awful lot were. And what we know from the past is that that is a, I can't prove this at all, but that is a classic standard operating method for the intel community when they want to create a, a storm. You see, you have to remember that the country, the government of Egypt and the government of Tunisia were taken down by Facebook and Twitter. So it's absolutely impossible for you to conclude that the intel community, the DIA, Defense Intelligence Agency, didn't gear up to be able to use that big time. You know, so a huge amount of this Facebook campaign that went in, I can't prove it's true, but I can, but a huge amount of it could easily have been done, and it certainly looked like it was being done in terms of the profiles, 
by four to ten guys working at Fort Meade, Maryland, using fake, fake uh, you know, using various, using a few hundred Facebook profiles scattered throughout the world using on various IPs. That to them would be a piece of cake. It's like no problem at all. Now I'm not saying I can prove that this happened, but I'm saying it it had all the markings of that. And the idea of having that type of a storm is it brings other people in and they start repeating the exact same things. So no matter how many times I sort of calm, tried to sort of say this is not what is going to happen, those huge numbers would say it's going to be this, it's going to be that, and it kept on building up. Then when it got close to the end, when we were about to release it, uh, I said, okay, look, there's no way to avoid this. There's nothing we could have done to avoid this. If we're going to have people see this in large numbers, there's nothing we could do to avoid this storm. So I made the decision, let's ramp it up all the way. So I started a, a countdown to the last few days, which is very typical of, this is very typical strategies. For example, Red Giant just did that with the release of their new software. Uh, Digital Juice did that. I mean, this is so standard to have like a countdown. So I've had a countdown to sort of ramp it up. And um, then we actually, you know, had the release of the, of the, of the of the of the of the documentary and you know we can get to that later i hope we do get to it later the content of the documentary because it is the most important thing that's ever happened it's really really important you need to understand the importance of it S certainly I, I want to definitely discuss the the content that's i think that's the most important part of this interview but I just what wanted happened to... was the entire thing blew up at that point, and I knew it was going to happen. And I must admit that I'm used to this type of thing. This type of thing has happened to me before, and I knew it was coming. But Dan Smith and Dick Algeyer are not used to it, and they were really rattled by it. They were really, really upset by it. And, uh, you know... Um, but let me... I don't mean to interrupt you, Courtney. Uh, I just want to add you add the perspective of some of people. Look, I have no doubt that Cointelpro is alive and well, and they do infiltrate. I have gone through that, and many of my peers have gone through that. My colleagues have gone through that. At the same time, I have a lot of my listeners that were very polarized. I would, would say probably 50-50. And, it's, it's, uh, and I have to say, I did watch the video eventually, and I think it was well-produced. It's the first time I've ever seen remote viewers in action, and we can see them doing it without having to have uh, to have any uh, remote viewing experience and all the, the, the analyticals and all the technicalities that you have to go through. That was great. The issue that I had, and I'm going to put myself in, in the side where people were disappointed, and, and please allow me to say it, the implications, I was following those implications, as long as people, you know, people in my forum, some of my listeners, they knew that you were going to be coming, you know, to the show once again. For example, there's there's a claim here. You claim that the announcement would be more important than aliens landing or a total collapse of the economy or or anything else for that matter. There were a few of those implications. So, of course, you're building the interest. You mentioned Red Giant or, or you know, GM or let's say Hollywood. They, they put these previews out there these uh, for people to see what's going to come in a movie. Everybody knows that you have to pay for the movie. I am a free enterprise lover. I love people who go out there, create a product, and sell it. They should be rewarded for what they do. Absolutely. I'm not arguing about the $12. I'm not arguing even if you charge $120. It's just the perception is reality here. How people, how half of it or some of them perceived the announcement 
it was different when the, what, than what they expected. And I think a lot of the, I'm going to say it, a lot of the anger, a lot of the disappointment stems from that. However, once you watch the video, perhaps you can understand why you did this. I don't know. Maybe you don't have any, any experience when it comes to marketing because you're a political scientist and a mathematician, right? Well, that's, you know, that's, that's the other thing. You have, we, I hope we get a chance to get to that. We need to talk about the state of Farsight right now and what, you know, what we have contributed. But the reality is I, I ran the entire campaign. I'm not a public relations person or an advertising person. We have no employees whatsoever. We have, we have no money, no employees. Everybody's a volunteer. And we just have to think of stuff off the top of our head to try to make these things work. However, we did have past experience of doing it sort of quietly, like I think many of your audience would have liked, which is the Atlantis Project, which came out about a year ago, and you interviewed me on that, on that as well. Now we have the beginning of the Atlantis Project has about 15 minutes of a, of that, of that is available for free. And over the past year for that, 14,000 people have watched it, which is essentially meaning 14,000 people have watched the free beginning to, to, to know the whole scope of that project, which is essentially nothing. And that was a really important project, and only 14,000 people watched the free thing. Now, you know, if we continue doing things quietly like that, <laughs> you know, Mel, there's no reason for us to keep on doing anything. So we had to break out of that and to try to do things to in a way that people would actually watch what we do. In terms of the amount of money that we earned for the Atlantis thing, well, there was a few hundred dollars. I don't, I don't know if we broke even um, on, on that one. Um, really, I support the, 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 these projects with my own petty cash. Uh, the remote viewers basically do these things for free. We, we try to reimburse their costs. Uh, they had to buy cameras, for example, for this for this new one, the Great Pyramid of Giza, and so we give them a, a few hundred. I'm giving each one of the remote viewers six hundred dollars to help cover their costs. But if we did everything like we did with the Atlantis project, in which there was no storm and everything was quiet, we might as well have not even done it at all. And that was a really great project. I'm telling you, Mel, you cannot do these things and make a significant impact to let people know about them without that storm. If it's not my public, if it's not my public relations campaign, which you may say was faulty, it'll be something else. It's going to happen. They, you know, the, the guys out there don't want this information out and they're going to cause some type of storm for it to happen. Now, in terms of the cost, a lot of people were complaining about the cost. Mel, let me just say that this is an illness that's in the New Age community and it's limited to the New Age community. By the way, I have no problem with the cost whatsoever. And an awful lot of people said, well, you're selling something, you're selling something. Now you've gone over to the dark side. Now listen, sin and dollars is unique to the New Age community. Somehow it got in there, and I personally believe it's been seeded into the New Age community in order to keep the stuff within the New Age community, because as long as there's no money involved in things, it's never going to spread and it's going to be impotent in terms of its ability to improve the world. It leaves only, quote-unquote, the man getting the money. For example, you fill up your gas tank. You send 50 bucks to fill up your gas tank. You're not, you're not upset. You're happy you're driving around. Mass marketers go to Walmart, the grocery store, whatever. You're happy to buy things. The groceries, auto companies, you're really proud when you spend thousands of dollars on a car. The taxes, you pay your taxes and you're proud to be supporting the government. 
you're supporting the man all throughout this and people are upset for $12 for a video that they don't even have to buy because you know, a lot of the essential content is in the free stuff. So, I mean, it's like you have to say, where is this idea coming from that you're sinning if you're supporting something in the, that's coming out of the New Age community? It came from somewhere. It didn't come out of nowhere. It came from something. Somehow it got into the New Age community. And it's wrong for people just to say that it's true. You have to say everything that's there comes from someplace. And you say, where, who actually brought this sickness into the New Age community? It castrates the New Age community to be able to say anything that's positive and do anything positive about the world. We have to use the normal distributional outlets that are available to spread what we do. And it is impossible to use them if you don't pay those companies. And so anyone who's saying, do it for free, give it all hand out, do a, do a campaign, a Kickstarter campaign, ask for contributions, all they're saying is close up shop because you can't do it otherwise. You have to be able to pay these bills. Now, as far as the Giza project is concerned, the best project we've ever done, it, and it is planetary shaking. It, I do not back away from a single thing that I said. That project costs us some thousands of dollars and the bills have to be paid. Now, in terms of money that we're going to earn from this thing, I think when it's all said and done, we'll have two or $3,000 in the bank, maybe, when that's done. Is that really so big a deal that you've got to be upset about it? <laughs> now, with the, the Atlantis project, we barely broke even, and that was only a few thousand dollars. We do all the video editing by, I do the video editing. We don't, we don't actually pay anybody to do anything. We have no salaried employees. We have, right now, Farsight Inc., which is the company that actually sells the video, because Farsight is, that's different from the nonprofit, which is the institute, because we, you know, that institute can't sell things. Um, that has like $500 in the bank right now. So like, give me a break, everybody. You're feeding the petroleum companies. You're feeling General Motors. You're feeling the mass marketers. You're fueling the government with taxes. You're not complaining about anything like that. We give most of it, 95% of everything away for free and you're complaining. You're saying that we're part of the dark side because we charge $12, $12 to watch the full documentary. What is wrong with let, let me just interject here. It, once again, it, Courtney, I really don't think at least my portion and, and the people that listen to my show that approach me, I don't think they have a problem paying for for the to watch the video. For example, one person said to me, um, Courtney indicated that materials had to be moved to other countries and that large coordination effort was necessary for the big event. Uh, you know, he's saying that he, he, you made it look as if this was a big international effort with many people, personnel, materials, and preparation to be executed. Okay, this no, is the me, part that they're talking about. A, let me explain a little bit about that. Okay. That was actually partially, that was actually uh, right then and there, partially the the big concern when we were right in the middle, we didn't know if we could actually come out with the project at that point. Because materials were being sent, for example, <laughs> the DVD original content was sent to Amazon, all right, in February, early, actually I think it was sent in January, okay? And so we announced it sometime in February would be the initial announcement. For some reason that we cannot figure out, somewhere between when we shipped it and Amazon got it, the disk was corrupted <laughs> at 38 minutes and 13 seconds. It stopped playing. We don't know what happened, but it didn't, it didn't have that problem when we had it, and it did have that problem when Amazon got it. And then for us to sort it out, getting through 
Amazon to do this stuff, it took communications and, and going through countries that you have no idea about. It was such a big thing. We finally got it sorted out um, by sending it another disk under special conditions, and then we got the, and then we had to deal with very high-level people under CreateSpace in order to personally to actually watch this thing to get the disk. And when it got through the second time, something had interfered with the software so that it didn't get transferred to the manufacturing side. I mean, I've put out DVDs before. Nobody has ever had these problems. A disk gets corrupted in the mail. Secondly, something gets into the Amazon computers or something like that and stops the disk from actually going to the production side. Then the whole Amazon people had to stop what they were doing and trying to say, what's going on with this thing? And they were trying to figure out what was actually happening. In the meantime, I was talking to Amazon people that were all over the planet. Amazon is everywhere. Every time you call up, you get, you know, DVD related people in different countries and they're trying to figure out and they're coordinating with other countries. Uh, they're not all centralized in one place. And so finally they, they had very high level people sort of take it over by hand and they personally went over and got the thing and personally went and fixed it so that it wouldn't, ha so that it actually got into production. It actually got into production the day of the announcement. That was it. That's how close it actually was. Now, I don't know why these things happen, and I can't prove that somebody intercepted the mail. I'm just saying that very strange things were happening, and we were, I was on the phone nonstop with, uh, you know, with getting that stuff all worked out. And I, I have to say that CreateSpace and Amazon really went the extra mile to get it all sorted out because like we just couldn't figure out what was causing these issues and so you know and i've we've never had any problems with that before and amazon really came through for us i mean they really 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 came through for us so i want to really thank them for sorting this out i don't think they were responsible for the problems to begin with personally but um this thing almost did not happen anyway the reason it's available as a video on demand with Vimeo at a less loss, you know, a much much less expensive price, $12 for renting and $15 for buying permanently, is because we didn't know if we were going to be able to get it out on Amazon because of all these things, disks being intercepted in the mail. I mean, it was going crazy. We didn't know if we'd be able to do it. So as a safeguard, we put it up on Vimeo because Vimeo just now started the video on demand thing. So we, we did that as a sort of a fallback, and now it's turned out to be that's actually a preferred way to actually do it. I mean, this is for the future. Vimeo is really great for being able to distribute these things at a lower cost. So we're really happy with this, this new way of, of, of getting things out. Anyway, so all that stuff was actually happening. Now, did I explain all the details? No, I was giving this, this, the stuff, but there was enough intrigue going on on our side, on our side for me to, to warrant saying, look, this is what's going on. <laughs> and, um, I, you know, that was not a lie. If and when you conduct another project in the future, would you conduct the marketing campaign differently? Well, look at, look at it this way. I'm, I'm, an, I'm a complete amateur on marketing campaigns, but I did my best. Um, Dick Algeyer and uh, Smith were both very upset and concerned about the way the marketing campaign was interacting with the public and the Facebook thing. But I knew that there was no way to avoid that, that I personally believed that uh, this was being orchestrated and that people were being stirred up because of what I saw with these minimal content Facebook profiles that were really going off the wall. And so I, and there was, there were hundreds of them. 
So I was really, I certainly thought that if this didn't happen, something else would have happened because they fundamentally didn't want this material out. So um, every time something gets released, it's going to have to be done differently. If we had, if we had official PR people, if we had an advertising agency, well, we would have, I wouldn't have done it. I mean, they would have not even allowed me to do that. They would have said, Courtney, that's our job. That's why you hired us. But we don't have that. We have no resources whatsoever. Now, you mentioned a good point. Uh, if we do another thing, this, you know, this storm that actually happened fits standard, the profile of standard operations, which is to cause a, a controversy that will be very confusing to people with as much noise as possible to scare away the public. That's what the intel community does. That's what they do, and they're very good at it. I'm not complaining about them. A lot of them are my friends. I, they're just doing their job. They're given orders, and they do it, and they do it really well. And so the, the other aspect of it is the storm started immediately upon the release, like a switch, boom, and it ended suddenly just a few days afterwards. That's sort of another indication. And uh, when, no matter what I said, saying it's not going to be this, it's not going to be that, those same claims coming from these low pro, the, from these uh, minimal pro, minimal content profile accounts kept on being repeated over and over, drowning me out. So this is the standard stuff that they do. Now, uh, and then if you combine that with the pressure Dick has, Dick Algeyer has had to withdraw his video, Hitome and the God Portal, which is, which is a to die for video. It's really great. And the past experience we have with engineered scandals, there was nothing I could have done if this thing is going to be seen by people, there's nothing I could have done to avoid some type of controversy. The firestorm was going to happen no matter what happened. So when it got closer, I said, look, this is, people are going to blame me. Let it happen. It's going to happen no matter what, if we're going to make this thing visible. So look, um, you asked what we would do in the future. Mel, you have to understand, and every one of your audience has to understand that there may not be a future because we're all volunteers, we have no resources. This whole release of this DVD and, and video on demand, this project, the Giza project, was a bit of a Hail Mary pass. Let me tell you what the true state of the situation is. We've spent 20 years developing remote viewing. We stopped trying to teach basic remote viewing to lots of people and focused on just getting the best viewers to be able to showcase what they do so we shrunk the numbers, but increased the quality. And now basically we have two people who are at a level that can demonstrate without any qualities, without any ambiguity, that remote viewing is real and then all the implications that are associated with it can come out. Let me tell you about those two people. Please, Mel, let me just tell you about those two people. Let's start with Dick Algar. He used to be a celebrity newscaster in Hawaii. On the job, he got a concussion. It was happened a couple of years ago. He lost his job as a result of this concussion. He is now forced, he's, he was forced to retire. He can't handle a heavy amount of stress, such as a workroom news related environment. So he can still do remote viewing. He's fine. He looks normal, things like that, but he, he can't handle the level of stress that he used to have for that work environment. So he's, he's forcefully retired. He's also getting older. And he's one of the two guys that can do this. So the, the issue with Dick is that when HRVG was started and grown up, the intention was always for it to stay within a small community, 
like 10 people uh, in Hawaii. And not to, not to earn money, not to be sold, not to be put on video, and not to spread out to millions. Dick would like to actually teach it. Teach it in Japan. He has a, a desire to teach it in Asia. He has a desire to teach it elsewhere. And we'd really like to see a video set of him teaching the HRVG methodology. He cannot do it by himself. He needs Farsight to do it for him. And uh, I mean, he, and the, the idea of hiring and he just doesn't have the money to do it, uh, the capability of putting all that together. It's, it's, it's more than any one person can do. So if it's going to happen, it's going to happen only if we do it for him. And we're at the point right now where the HRVG methodology is right dangling on the edge of a cliff. And if that instructional set doesn't get made, in a few years' time, it will not exist. I'm not saying, like, just a few people will know it. It just won't go. It won't be there. And you won't be able to dig it back up, meaning it will be gone off the face of the earth. Dick's the only one that's at that level that can actually bring this to life. And if we don't help him do that, it's simply not going to be there. You're not going to have it. And you know, I don't care if you dig it, if you hire an archaeologist to try to dig it up, it's going to be simply wiped off the face of the planet. That's my opinion. But I, it is, it is, in my, in my opinion, it is the gospel truth. Now let's talk about Daz Smith. Daz Smith is a graphics artist, a really great graphics artist. He's also one of the two top remote viewers on the planet Earth. He's, got serious financial problems, very, very serious financial problems. He's got mouths to feed family. And he's been talking to me very seriously about dropping out of remote viewing entirely and get a manual labor job just in order to pay some bills so we can feed his family. So we're talking now about the two main guys disappearing out of the remote viewing community entirely. And we're also talking about Farsight being the only place, the only venue where they have been able to showcase their work properly. There is no other place on the entire planet that does these major scientific projects and presents them to the world. Show me where, be from the state of Missouri, Mel, instead of Arizona. Show me, the show me state. Show me where you get it from anywhere else. Any of the military guys have any of these major projects? Any of these things where you see all of the data, the people showing their stuff, major projects, uh, the whole remote viewing field has changed. The whole world has changed. You see remote viewing showing up in movies now. You see it on television. The, the remote viewing concept is out there everywhere. Farsight has changed everything. And we're right at the edge of closing the doors and saying we can't do it anymore. If something happens to Dick and Daz, that's the end. We can't start this over again. I'm not going to, we can't start it over again. There's nobody, we can't start by, teaching people basic remote viewing procedures and hoping 20 years from now a couple of them are good enough well i think we're at we're I, at the end go ahead i think uh, you're right in the sense that we need to have more training about this i i remember years ago when i purchased the only system that i thought was available it was ed dames and everybody who's listened to us knows ed dames and his track record not being that accurate let me go back for a second uh, we'll come back to to dick and and daz in a second but let's go back to the climate project i remember okay uh, good june uh, 1st 2013 yeah what happened uh, that was a great project we started in 2008 and did remote viewing sessions for five years into the future in order to try to predict climate change and we were expecting minor 
changes, and we were hoping remote viewing might be sensitive enough to change, to, to, to detect, like mild sea level rises, snow on Mount Kilimanjaro levels, things like that. And what we got was really major stuff, and it, it seemed to boil down to major climatic changes in certain areas, but also meteor impacts, which was really weird. And so five years in advance, in 2008, we, sh we displayed these results. And, and I always said we are dealing with a situation that our, our research indicates is multiple timelines. So I said we are never predicting anything. And I said point blank in the video for the Climate Project, the original one, I said we cannot predict the future. But the idea, the theory was that if the events are sufficiently big enough, they should spill over into all timelines or major, you know, major sections of timelines. And so we should see some evidence of it. And that may mean something dealing with meteors if these data are correct. So what happened in mid-February, February 15th to be exact, of uh, 2013, was that there were two major events. There was a huge meteor that impact that, you know, hit, hit Russia. And there was also the DA-14 asteroid that almost hit the southern hemisphere of the United States, of, of southern hemisphere of the planet. Now, with the, with the meteor that hit, that uh, was over Russia, it had a very strange thing happen to it. It was caught on video. You can see it on YouTube, Google Russian meteor UFO or something like that. It was very clearly caught. As the meteor was streaking over, if it had hit intact, it would have produced a, an explosion equivalent to, uh, a nuclear device that was 50 times the size of the Hiroshima nuclear bomb. And as it was streaking over Russia, something came from behind it, clearly caught on video, impacted it from behind, and fragmented the meteor. And then it split up into parts and pieces and, and pieces hit. Now, Mel, something, something hit that meteor from behind. There was some type of thing, and it's clear as day on the video. So, if something happened, it's, it can only be one of three things. Either another meteor hit it, which is unlikely, uh, or it was an anti-ballistic missile system, which is possible. And actually, one of, the, one of the generals of Russia immediately afterwards did say that was what it was. And that was story was, with, was retracted, I think, within an hour. And then the do other you really, thing Do been, you really think we have the technology to stop such a thing? I actually don't, because um, I actually think we're not that good. But I do... I do suspect that the climate project may have been used to prepare. And so it is actually possible that the, that the guns were locked and loaded, waiting for something like that to happen. And so it is actually possible that it could have been an anti-ballistic missile system. The other thing could have been is it could have been extraterrestrial involvement, um, you, know, shoot, you know, breaking up the meteor before it happened. Now, whatever it was that intervened that fragmented that meteor, it clearly caught up to it from behind. It's clear as day in the video. And anything that could have done to that could have nudged DA-14 so that it didn't hit the, the southern hemisphere of the planet. So on February 16, the day after the events, within 24 hours, DA-14 and the Russian meteorite both happened. They were so unusual, CNN said that was 100 million to one chance that those could have happened <laughs> by just chance together within 24 hours. So within, within one day on February 16th, I put posted up a video on YouTube and made a major statement, that, statement with it on the Farsight Institute's website saying that met the meteor, given a multiple universe concept, a multiple futures concept, that met the criteria for the meteor data in the climate project. And then I said, since it's such a rare occurrence for such a type of thing to happen, 
we should expect no more meteor stuff to actually occur before June 1st, and that thus no, no impacts, no tsunamis, no nothing like that. That that type of thing won't happen. So I announced that in Febu on February 16th. So both the Russian meteor and DA-14 were not even known in 2008. They weren't even known in 2008 when our data came out. And DA-14 was discovered sometime in 2012, so in January or early 2012. So this was a very interesting project from that perspective. Now, is it sort of something you want to say everything is proven? No, you wouldn't word, you wouldn't work the word, word, you wouldn't use the word proven, but it's an intriguing study and what actually happens does fit the expectations of what we were, what we were thinking of. And it's, and it's something that we should really be doing again. And again, we should be experimenting with this type of model, doing repeatedly it to see if we can get similar types of results. Um, but what we're in a situation with right now, with people complaining so much, is we're in a situation right now in which, with people have to understand that this recent project, we are really in a situation where we need some resources or we have to close. Because if Dick's going to have that, if Dick's going to have any type of a future, it's got to happen soon. Uh, we have to have that instructional DVD out for the HRVG method. And if Daz is going to have any future, it's got to happen soon because he's, he's broke. And so, it, you know, what we really need is at least $200,000. Uh, we need to get a studio, a real studio with a proper green screen that you can walk in front of. We need to get the tools in order to be able to do what we do. Right now, we can't even fly Dick Algeyer from Hawaii to Atlanta, let alone put him someplace. And once he gets here, what is he supposed to do? Sleep in a car? We've got to actually put him someplace for the couple of weeks while we're producing this set, or the HRVG method is going to disappear. And, you know, with regard to Daz, what is he supposed to do? Is he supposed to stock stores, uh, grocery stores? But, but, uh, but with today's, <clears throat> pardon me, with today's technology, why does it have to be so expensive if, you know, a camera is really not that expensive and all you need is to have somebody in front well, of this the... Well, this is a, a great question. Um, you have to understand a dollar is a lot if you've only got a penny. So what we have is we didn't even have enough money to buy them cameras. They had to buy their own cameras. We don't have any film crews. They had to learn how to film themselves. They did a great job. I mean, the production, you saw the video, the production quality is really great. It looks like it was done by an expensive company. This is three guys putting it together. We didn't even have them. <laughs> the only way that, we, that, that they could actually get their, their video coverage to us is Daz had to personally buy a, you know, a, a, a subscription for Dropbox in order to get, in order for me to get the actual, the video that he had actually done. And similarly, Dick had this, had to buy a subscription to, um, used to be you send it, now it's Hightower or something like that, uh, to get his videos to me. So, and he had to send one in the mail on a DVD. So the point is that you're talking capabilities, yes, but we don't even have enough money to buy a, a, a to buy a camera, let alone to do the stuff you're talking about. And so what we actually need is there is no other venue anyway. There's no other group that's doing what we're doing. I have never in my whole life seen any smaller, less funded group on the planet Earth do so much. We've changed the entire, the entire planet already with respect to the remote viewing. We, our instructional videos for SRV methodology, we've given away for years 
as on YouTube. It's watched everywhere. And those people who are in China who can't get access to YouTube, we actually have it up on their version of YouTube, which is called Youku, for free, so that they can have access to it. And so the point is that the whole culture of the planet has changed because of what we do. And this is what I want to ask you, Mel. Please, every one of your listeners, listen to this. What would this planet look like right now if Farsight didn't exist? And what will this planet look like in 10 years if it stops working now? And you're completely... What will it look like? Go ahead. Let me play devil's advocate for a second. Please do. The, the June 1st meteor impact, it did not yeah. happen, at least on this, in this universe. If we believe that there's a, there's a universe or multiple universes or timelines... Many people may say, okay, if that is the case, then how can we trust that the target being remote viewed is actually in ours? And if it doesn't pan out, we can always blame it on the other universe or other timeline or dimension. Mel, this is a great question. Thanks. Look, we have no trouble with remote viewing, with making remote viewing work flawlessly for anything in the past or the present. It's only the future that presents problems because in the past or the present, we know exactly what timeline we're looking for because it's something that happened. For example, the timeline that we're looking for is the one that created those big pyramids. But, but with the future, we don't know what timeline. Any moment of the now, according to theory, could break into multiple futures. Which one do you get? So we had, we conducted a different experiment called the multiple universes experiment to test that to see if we could actually pick future targets and accurately remote view them by doing the sessions first, encrypting them, spreading them all over the world where tens of thousands of people could hold them on our hard drives, and then waiting months and having some future person pick the target. Now, the sessions were already done, but a future person picked the target, and the target was in between when the sessions actually were done and when the person was picking the target. So for that person, the target was in the past, but for the sessions, when they were done by the remote viewers, it was in their future. And in those cases, the remote viewing was as clear as if it was a past target, confirming the theory that there's multiple universes involved. So remote viewing the future, except under those specific experimental conditions, has always been the big bugaboo. It's always been very hard, and we're still experimenting with it. We're the only ones experimenting with it. So I want all of your listeners to ask themselves, do you really want us to stop experimenting with it? We're down to nothing. And this, this production that we just did really is, Mel, a bit of a Hail Mary pass. We said, I said, I said, really, I said, look, Dick, Daz, this thing, if this thing doesn't work, we're out, we're out of resources completely. So if we really make this thing visible, there's going to be a firestorm. They're, they're going to push back and they're going to push back hard. And there's going to be a tremendous controversy. I'll put it all on myself. I'll do it all myself. I'll make the controversy about myself. Let people hate me. But we might as well. What? And I said this exactly to Dick and Daz. What have we got to lose? And that's what we're in right now. Mel, are you we have the cape. Go ahead. Are you admitting that the marketing campaign was conducted in such a way because of desperation in order to remain, for Farsight to remain alive? No. I'm, the marketing was not a desperation. I actually thought it was done very well. If you look at all the words that I actually said, they match the actual results. But if you look at the audience feedback, they don't match it. So the audience feedback was different. And I personally think the audience feedback was stoked by 
you know, people in the audience who were there on purpose and, and, you know, people who were on salary and probably working in Fort Meade, Maryland. <laughs> but the point is that, you know, I think the actual campaign was, I'm an amateur, so I'm not person to judge these things, really. You're asking the wrong person. But I personally think it was, it was done rather well. Uh, now let me give you some numerical feedback for that, for me to be able to say that. Our Atlantis DVD, which is also our Atlantis project, which was a great project, the free part of the video, 14, 15 minutes of it, has only been watched by 14,000 people. So uh, within two days, the Great Pyramid of Giza 40-minute free video was watched by over 30,000 people. So that was the goal. It wasn't a matter of desperation. It was a matter of let people see this thing. And there would have been a controversy no matter what we did if we did anything to get people to actually see it because they were not going to let us do this without a controversy. So the real issue is those people who have seen it, I haven't heard anybody come back and say that the video itself, the full documentary, was ridiculous. I haven't heard anybody complain about the full documentary. Everyone I've talked to says, that is amazing. <laughs> I can't believe we actually saw that. The goal is to get as many people to actually see it. And for those people who are saying, oh, but you're trying to sell something that is cheapened, there's sin, you've gone over to the dark side. Well, you can get essentially the, the essence of the whole thing just by watching the free 40-minute documentary. And so if you really want to think that way, be that way. I mean, it's, it's, you're, you're hurting yourself, cutting yourself off from potential, and you should ask yourself why you're thinking that way in the first place. But uh, I actually liked the campaign. I thought it was done very well, and I don't think I misspoke. I do think that the audience reacted in, um, in, a, in a firestorm way. And, you know, you, a, a good question to ask me, Ismail, would be this. Um, do I regret anything? No. Would I do it differently? Yes and no. How would I do it differently? Okay. Well, given the exact same set of resources that we had, I would have done it exactly the same. However, I really would have liked to have had enough money to hire an advertising guy and a public relations guy. to be. And I don't mean guy in a sexist way. I mean guy generically, male or female. I really would have liked to have hired appropriate people. But we don't have those resources. We don't even have enough money to send a film crew, let alone to buy a camera for <laughs> Dick or Daz. And we've done all of this. Now, we can, we can change the world in unbelievable ways, but, and we have done more than people with million-dollar, billion-dollar budgets. I mean, really, Farsight has changed, has changed literally the entire environment on this planet. And people are asking questions now, and things are into the, into the, into the language now, and people are into the, uh, into the understanding of remote viewing now in ways that are unimaginable 20 years ago. And, Farsight's the only venue where these things are coming out. And so, well, you I really mentioned, think, I don't mean to, 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 to interject. No, no, you go ahead, interrupt. Please. You, you, you mentioned 20 years ago. Let me go back in time to the Hale Bop comet oh, sure. and mother, the alleged mothership that came behind and the pictures and the Art Bell show. Let's, let's, let's take it from there for a moment. When you, right. when you're webmaster, and, and for those people who don't know the story, can you just, just summarize what happened? Sure. Um, we were scheduled to do a radio interview with Art Bell um, on my book, Cosmic Voyage. But right before the interview, the 
late astronomer Chuck Tramick published on his website some pictures of something that looked like an anomaly. He was a newscaster in Houston, Texas, but he was an amateur astronomer that was actually pretty good. And he published some pictures that looked like a large glob of light, like an anomaly near the Hale-Bopp comet. And so we did some remote viewing sessions on that on the spur of the moment, something we never do anymore. We, our projects take like a year to complete, but we did some, re and, and we talked about those on the Art Bell show. And that caused a tremendous amount of interest. And uh, Chuck Shramick was taking a huge amount of heat. And uh, then the weirdly things happened. Somebody who my webmaster knew, uh, somehow in the past, who I, I was never told who he was, um, contacted her and said, uh, actually, we think, you, we think you're onto something. And he said he was a university professor. I have no idea if he was, but she seemed to say he, he say, think he was. And he's claimed himself to be an astronomer. I, I have no idea what he actually was, but she thought he was. And, uh, he sent us three rolls of film and two, and they were undeveloped and we had to develop them. And two were blank and one had pictures. Now, they were clearly printed by a film printer, meaning, you know how you print film, you, you print things on paper with a printer onto your computer? Back in those days, people did PowerPoint presentations by hooking up a printer that printed the film. Though these images clearly came from what they call CCD astronomical images, because you could see the razor-sharp pixel lines on the images if you look at it with a loop, a magnifying glass. But anyway, so we... Uh, um, had those things and we said, wow, that's sort of interesting. And I mentioned it to Art Bell on the phone that we had those things. He called me up and then said, look, Chuck Tramick's in a real desperate situation. We need to support him. Why don't you uh, come on the show and talk about them? And I said, no, because we didn't do these things. We do remote viewing and we don't, we haven't done, used these things for anything. And he, but he, he pleaded and I said, okay. I wanted to please him, hopefully to, you know, uh, be able to talk more about remote viewing. So we got on the show. I introduced the webmaster. I didn't know anything about the astronomer other than the fact that the webmaster told me he was an astronomer. And um, so I introduced the webmaster, and then the webmaster started to talk, and that was the end of it. And we had made a, a verbal agreement that I thought was clear, that the uh, pictures that we had shared with Art Bell over email, just emailing him a, a scan of it, would not be released to the public because they weren't ours. And then, you know, a big controversy started to occur that we had submitted pictures and he didn't think it was appropriate to hide them. He needed to release them to the public. Pressure started to build and we were not on the radio anymore. He had access to the microphone. And then in the beginning or middle of February, I mean January, he posted them on the, on his website. And I'm not complaining about him. You know, he probably felt he had an obligation to his viewers or his listeners to do this. I mean, whatever. But within a blink of an eye, like 24 hours or less, I mean, it was, uh, two astronomers from the University of Hawaii said, hey, those are our pictures and they came from our website, rah, rah, rah. You know, well, we didn't even, that's not true. We didn't even know those pictures or their website even existed. And we never used the pictures for anything. The only thing we did was we opened the mail. That's what we did. We opened the mail and said, wow, that's interesting. We didn't use the pictures for anything. We didn't do anything except open the mail and Art asked us to talk about them. So we talked about them. And then this huge story came up of us, you know, submitting fraudulent pictures. And it looked like we were caught with doing bad things. 
And so we were like totally discredited on, and we didn't have access to the radio anymore. We weren't being interviewed. It was this big controversy. I was interviewed one last time in January with Whitley Strieber and Art Bell. The whole thing blew up into, into high heaven. And it was just like this. Can you, can you describe, like can happened. you describe the pictures? Well, they were pictures of what, I don't know what, I'm not, I'm not an astronomer. They, they, the, the person who called them up and sent them with, uh, FedEx to the webmaster said they were of Halebop and there was a little object near it. A mothership. So, well, no, we never said a mothership. We said there was an anomaly that looked, that looked artificial and, and so on. And then it was, and then later on it became, you know, when we were no longer on the, uh, on the radio show, it was like, um, they called it the Hail Mary and then, uh, an, a remote viewer, military remote viewer got on the radio show regularly starting to say it was a, alien, a, you know, ship that was carrying a plant pathogen bomb that was going to land in Africa and wipe out all plants on Africa and there's mass starvation going to occur. I mean, it kept on getting building and building and it was, every night it was getting worse and worse. And then fortunately, fortunately, we were actually discredited, which was good. It sort of got us out of the whole thing because of these pictures that we never did anything about. So that's how you, that's how the Intel people actually create these controversies. And I'm not saying that Art Bell was involved in it. I'm not saying that he was involved in any type of intel, anything. I'm not saying that. All I'm saying is that after this whole thing happened, we did have an intel person actually come to us. Gave me absolute proof <laughs> that he was who he was. No card would have done it. He gave me, he gave me a, anyway. And so he gave us absolute proof and then detailed what actually happened. And, um, you know, in terms of they had arranged for the pictures to be sent to us. Um, the webmaster was duped. Um, they were actually expecting us to use them for targeting and they were actually expecting us to crumble and release the name of the person who sent them to us and uh, then to be sued and the institute would be closed down. That was the original plan and that came, for, that came directly out of the DIA. <laughs> and I said, okay, but they, but you know, we didn't, they were surprised that we stuck to our guns, kept silent, didn't mention anything about it. And we just let them hammer us. And they hammered us and hammered us and hammered us. And it was fortunate because by, by the, by mid-January, when all of this came out, we were so badly discredited in the public's mind, even though we didn't do anything, uh, is that we were out of it and nobody was really looking at us anymore. And then in March, like mid-March or a late March or sometime in March, the Heaven's Gate group of eunuchs, the people who had castrated themselves like decades earlier, they committed suicide, saying they were going to beam up to the hellbop, you know, whatever. And, uh, you know, fortunately at that point, the media people didn't, no one connected, no one said that we were involved in that, which was very nice because they, they that was, that was, they had, they, that group had never linked to us on their website. They had not communicated with us. They, we were out of the loop completely. We were fully discredited. And they even said that they were going to do this even if there was no UFO following Hale-Bopp. So we never said anything was following the comet. All we said was they were look at that one point in time, the remote viewing data seemed to suggest there was something odd from the remote viewing side, an anomaly that looked artificial. And it looked more like a portal than anything else, like a, a portal that things come through and in and out of, not like a a ship or something, but that was all lost in the storm afterwards. But anyway, the, but the storm in which major things happen, uh, lots of public controversy and absolutely no ability to control it because you don't really have, act, and people are shouting louder than you, 
that's the that's how the intel community actually does these things now i'm not upset with them i know these guys they're good people they have good families the whole thing they're just following orders their orders are to tap down on these things when they have the risk of these things going into the mainstream and they do what they have to do now they've not killed us because we wouldn't be here if they were actually given the order to extinguish farsight we would be gone in 24 hours they have not done that and so and there's probably good reasons for that we've tried to we've tried to you know play along with whatever rules we could but at this point we just want to get this the great pyramid of giza out because it has tremendous implications for the history of humankind especially within recent within recent millennia how those pyramids were actually built it looks like they were not at all built by just simple slaves pushing around those 80 ton granite rocks which is stupid but that's what mainstream science says happened uh, that there was actual extraterrestrial involvement apparently and that project has verifiable components to it such as the drawing of the pyramid and the and the drawing of the blocks themselves being moved which you can actually say is in my view and i think in, in many people's view is considered proof that remote viewing actually works in addition it has some new information about the extraterrestrial stuff and you have to consider that um speculative but it's very intriguing and it fits the facts on the ground much better than than what mainstream science is feeding you well i think it's important to discuss this we have to take a one and only break but you know, let me read here one of the implications. Implica can you hear me, first of all? I can. Okay. Implication posting number 14. This one says, an announcement that will explain the past and positively influence the future development of human civilization on Earth. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I want to discuss this when we come back. And also, shouldn't... I'm glad you raised that one. Yes, yes. And uh, shouldn't remote viewing be treated, uh, you know... In order for the scientific community to, to accept remote viewing, shouldn't it be measured in a controlled environment and repeated? I'm just coming from a skeptic's point of view here. Let, let's That's take, a great question. Let's take uh, you know the newest findings about the Giza Pyramid and how they were built. How can you prove that what the two remote viewers found is indeed accurate and not just their imagination? But I'd like to discuss all of this. And I had to say, folks, I was upset. I was one of those who was upset about the way in which the announcements were made. At the same time, I don't blame Farsight or Courtney at all for charging $12 or $15 or $100. I am totally pro-free enterprise. At the same time, I think it's important not to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Courtney has books that he sold in the past that he now sells for free. Also, I watched the video... I really, really enjoyed it, and I wish all those people who, like me, were upset, gave an opportunity to watch the video and then maybe get upset. And now it's been a few days, the dust has settled, and now it's time to discuss the project. When we come back, I want to discuss everything about the project where these two remote viewers in front of the cameras are telling us from beginning to end how the pyramids were built, how... They were clones. We think of slaves, but they were cloned slaves and all the idiosyncrasies that were used and the purpose of those pyramids. I think this is really fascinating, and I think you should listen to segment two when we return. Courtney, how can people still watch this uh, a portion of the, of the video? 
Well, it's so easy. If you just go to the Farsight's website, F-A-R-S-I-G-H-T, like seeingfar.org, right there in the middle of there's, there's, uh, you can actually watch the free 40-minute um, announcement video, which has a good hefty 20, 25 minutes of the, the content of the, of the uh, documentary in it. And then um, you just click on the big banner in the middle of the home page, and that'll take you to a, one of the Farsight pages that you have your option of either um, watching it as a video on demand uh, on Vimeo, which is what we're doing now, which is really great. It's less expensive, and you get it right away, and the quality is really good. Or you can buy it the traditional way, which is a little more expensive, but a lot of people like to use it as a DVD, and that comes out of Amazon. And bless Amazon for actually finally sorting through all those problems, which I do not think was there. I honestly do not think those problems that they had in the in the processing of the thing was there was an issue that they are responsible for. So I really want to thank them for you know going the extra mile to sort that out in time for the announcement. Folks, don't go anywhere. I'm here with Dr. Courtney Brown. When we come back, we're going to discuss the Great Pyramid of Giza, the mystery solved. Also, I want to discuss the different modalities. You mentioned HRVG and CRV. Yes. Yes. I would like to, to understand the differences between them. This is Mel Fabregas. You're listening to Veritas. Much more when we return. Don't go anywhere. Thank you for listening to the first segment of this very important interview. To listen to the rest, Go to VeritasRadio.com and subscribe. You will receive your login immediately. We'll take a short intermission, listen to some music, and we'll be right back. Enjoy.
This is Tony Ortega, and you're listening to Veritas.